Hello, everybody, and welcome to ABC on Pittsburgh Sports. Michael Andonisio, Tom Bradley, Mark Clemente here for episode 18. 18. Nice. We're going to keep coming at you every week with the latest and greatest in sports and and what's going on, uh, you know, from NBA to NHL to NFL, you name it, we have you covered. It's a little quiet right now. Yeah, it's a little lull in this season. It's a little lull in this season. I I was just commenting to you guys. You know it's quiet, and no offense to softball, but it's very very rare that you go to ESPN's homepage and the lead story is women's softball. I think that's indicative of where we are right now yeah, we're starting in the sporting to get, calendar. Starting to get into the dog days of summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where the lull happens. The NFL's quiet. The NHL's winding down. The NBA's right. in the NBA Finals pretty soon. We're just going to have baseball. Hey, but I want to – I think what we're going to do here – and listen, I get it's been only six games, but it's time for everybody to wake up and realize this Pittsburgh Pirates team and these young players are legit. They're exciting they're fun to watch. It's what we've been talking about week week after week. We want to see these younger players and see what they're capable of. And boy, oh boy, uh, you know they're helping, really helping this team, and they're winning some ball games. I had the broom. I was going to get the broom out. I mean, when's the last time the Pirates swept the Dodgers? When was the last time the Dodgers were swept? Period. Two thousand was the last yeah. time the Pirates swept the Dodgers in L.A. I, and I, listen, I, every every game now, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm watching. I mm-hmm. was at Tommy's house. This weekend, mm-hmm. and we sat downstairs in his game room, and we watched the whole parking. They're down two nothing. Right. They tied the game up, and then they lost the game in the bottom of the ninth on a mistake pitch by Stratton. But th- this team's competing with two of the best teams in in baseball right now. Well, and I think I mentioned this early on in one of our podcasts, but I haven't watched a full baseball game. I can't tell you how long. Now I'm watching full baseball games, and I'm watching them night after night. And that's what this team has done. I mean, you want to. Diego Castillo and the play he makes last night and uh, Tuca Peter Mercano and, and the impact he's had since he's been up uh, this week. The pitching, we're, we're getting Mitch Keller look good his last outing. So some of these younger arms are starting to do some things. David Bedner, I mean, what a steal that was in the trade um, to get one of the top five stoppers in Major League Baseball. I mean, the kid's lights out and you got to love his enthusiasm and his passion as evidenced by the F-bomb after the game the other night. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing what we talked about, you know, with this organization. You know, if you're going to stink or if you're going to struggle, let's let's do it with you. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, when you watch these games, I mean, like Diego Castillo, he made a great play. Unbelievable but play. absolutely there was every bit the chance that he throws that ball into the 13th row as he does that. Mm-hmm. Because this team is just – they're young guys. They're mm-hmm. learning. You know, uh, for every good play, there's a play where you you can say, okay, well, there. But it's Castro, not a shortstop. It's been not a, a little rough. Not, yeah, but it's not a 35 year old. You know, has been making these plays. These are 20 something year old kids um, that you know you're starting to see. You know, churn through some of this, and we've talked about this plenty of times. This isn't the. This isn't going to be the core of the group coming up that's here right now. These are guys battling to be the guys that are with. The core that are still developing down in the minors. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, listen, it's it, we haven't seen a lot. Like, granted, but I love what I'm seeing from Mercano. And yeah, Mercano is 130 pounds. I mean, he's <laughs> but he can put the yeah, jolt he, in the ball. He, impact, he impacts the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's done. He's done all right. Yeah, these guys are like I said. These guys are fighting for you know that when the O'Neill Cruises and the Gonzales and the Pagueras get here, they still want to be in that conversation, and, mm-hmm. and they're they're doing what they need to do. Um, 
I'm and still, you know what I, I love to see? To your point, Tommy, that play that Castillo made last was last night. I'm losing track. I'm old. The fact that he even thinks to make that play and he can make that play shows you the confidence that he has in his game and the caliber of player that he is. Kevin Newman never makes that play, right? We can go out. Cole Tucker never makes that play. So we're seeing an increase in the caliber of player coming up. To your point, I think we're building to the core, and it's it, can't wait to see those guys. But as we get there, we're seeing the capability increase with these players. No, and that's what you want. We want to see if you know if guys like Marcano and Castillo and, and Castro, if these guys come up and struggle and do whatever or have you know have their good games. That I want to see that. I'll pay mm-hmm. to see that. I will I will invest my time mm-hmm. in that. You know, I, I have no interest in seeing these retreads that we've seen too many times with the Pirates in the last twenty years. And speaking years. of that, why you Chang? Why? Well, I mean, Michael and I we, talked we about it. We did talk about this. Honestly, I think the only reason that You're they You're not going to sell me anything I'm you guessing, said. But I'm guessing that they – yeah, we will. I'm guessing that they got him for about $35. They did. They, uh, there's um, no question. And he's right-handed. That, I think that's the main reason. This team – everybody on this team is left-handed. I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. And every starter that we face is it's left-handed. left-handed, yeah. I mean, so, you know, what you don't want to have is you don't want to have young guys like Mitchell and, and uh, Sawinski – and those guys that are just – you're just constantly giving them the short shaft here by telling them they're always facing a left-handed pitcher, you know. Um, you you got to have a little bit of balance to your lineup. Um, and I, I honestly you, think – I think the Chang <laughs> – you, you know. I mean, come on. The dude is what, 0 for 2022? Oh, no, no, believe yeah. me. I mean, I, there was at one time he – I think I, I heard him say on the broadcast last night, you know, these games are at 1030 at night, so <laughs> trying to stay up through this whole games are a challenge. But um, – I'm pretty sure I heard them say at one point he was a shortstop coming up through the Everybody system. Everybody was a shortstop. <laughs> shortstop right? I mean, that's but this dude's, I mean, he looks like a, you know, I mean, yeah. he looks like a, he's a yeah, right hand version of yeah. Toshogo. Yeah. I mean, right. yeah. But, I, you know, you took a fly. You know, I, I think what happened is, I mean, this is maybe giving the Pirates a little bit too much credit, but there's been so much talk about Martin. There's been so much talk about O'Neill Cruz and things like that. I said earlier in the podcast that I guarantee you O'Neill Cruz's major league debut this season is on the road. Um, you know, it might have been just they were on the road. They had a chance to pick this guy up for 30 bucks. <laughs> he, at one point, was a prospect. You know, he's right-handed. Let's give him a shot. And if it doesn't work out when we come home, I'll be curious to see, you know, they flew home last night. Mm-hmm. They started a series this weekend against the Diamondbacks. I'll be curious to see if they balance out some of these. Because, I mean, they got a lot of dinged-up players. Mm-hmm. It's tough when you're on the West Coast to get players out there. Um, I'll be curious to see. I, I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see – a Mason Martin or somebody come up here in these next couple of days now that they're home and you know a little bit more. Don't solid. tease me. Well, my question to you guys is: so we we got a bunch of guys on mm-hmm. the disabled list, and that's what's created opportunities for these young guys to come up and play. But what happens when Vogelbach comes back mm-hmm. and um, Gamble comes back, and apparently Kevin Newman's like a rash you can't get rid of right. with Neo Sporn. He just keeps coming back. He's going to come back, and eventually he's going to unseat somebody. I, I assume so. Then. What does that do to the, the, the chemistry that these young guys mm-hmm. that are starting to build? Like I said, I mean, they won four out of six in mm-hmm. San Diego and L.A., and they easily could have won all six games. I mean, they were in every game. We're talking about, like I said, two mm-hmm. of the better teams in the National League. And yeah. and these guys, 
you know, went toe-to-toe with both teams. And, and they took the Dodgers down. The, the one thing I want to say about Castro that I, I know we, we, we were ragging on him a little bit. Because, well, he can be frustrating in the field. Yeah, he There's can be. No, well, not only in the field. But we talked – he wasn't a shortstop. He was one guy who – he played second base. He was a second baseman. And they, they flipped him And they short. flipped him to short. They, they yeah. flipped him to short. But, you know, the other night, you know, I was frustrated with his first two at-bats. And then he hits a, a bullet into the gap and winds up with a triple. Mm-hmm. And then he gets hung out to dry on a play where he thought it was the suicide squeeze and it was a safety squeeze. Yeah. And he got too far down the line. And you want to yell, but like to Tommy's point, right? Young, yeah. He's a young guy. This isn't a 32-year-old veteran that's been in the league 10 years missing a sign. Mm-hmm. So you can you can, you can can live with some of the mistakes when you see him hit a ball. He hit a ball last night out of Dodger mm-hmm. Stadium. You know how hard that is to do? <laughs> Like Kevin Newman right. could stand Ball at second. Exactly Kevin Newman there, could yeah. stand at second base and throw the ball up in the air and still <laughs> not hit it over the wall, let alone out of the friggin' stadium. And that that's the impact somebody's like Marcona and Tommy's, yeah, he's he's 130 what pounds like he, he's built like Mookie Betts, but Mookie Betts leads major league mm-hmm. baseball in home runs. Right. I mean, it's not about your size, it's about your hand speed. And he seems to to impact the baseball right. really hard. Mm-hmm. And th- these are the things we want to see. I mean, Contreras is gonna pitch this mm-hmm. weekend again. Um, I'm just I, like I said. I'm like you said. I'm watching these games. Like I'm, I'm I sat there last night. I was texting you back and forth, and I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, I wanted to stay up and watch this. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'll say this about the young guys and, and about what you were talking about. I mean, you have Vogelbach and Gamble and Mark and Marquisnik, Marisnik. Marisnik, yeah. Um, I forgot about him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, these are all guys that when they come back, I mean, listen, I, I'm all I, I'm a huge proponent of the young kids. Um, but let's let's also be a little bit realistic. I mean, Castro's hitting under two hundred. Uh, uh, Mitchell's struggling. Mitchell's only twenty five at bats. The Marinsky's he's and Sawinski. Sawinski he's struggling. I mean, these guys aren't exactly all hitting four hundred up here. So you know, the, it's okay to bring these guys up and give them a taste. And then if, if you get, I mean, the Vogel box and those guys, Marisnik's of the world. I mean, I, I mean, if I if I'm the Pirates. I would have assumed that we're, you know, signing these guys to flip them at the deadline. So, I mean, the deadline is a couple months away now. You bring these guys back up, they, they have six good weeks. If it means you have to send one of these young kids down for six weeks or so. Um, the other thing is you have to always remember with all this stuff is the 40-man roster. You know, the Pirates are carrying a 26-man bench or 26-team or 26-player roster right now. So that means there's only 14 other guys in the organization that are on the 40-man. And then you have six guys that are on DL right now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's only so many things that they can do. And, yes, it's easy to say, well, you know, Sutsugo, you can you can DFA him or, or you can DFA Mariznik or something like that. But, you know, if there's a chance to flip one of these guys or get them hot for four or five weeks like they're doing with Quintana, the pitcher, mm-hmm. um, and flip them at the deadline, that's asset management. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and then once we get on the other side of that, you know, you know, then, uh, you know, I would assume that these guys are either gone or then you DFA them and move on from that. So, you know, I- I'm okay with what they're doing. You know, they're giving these guys a taste, see what they got. I mean, listen, they're not making the playoffs this year. So this is all, you know, asset management. Let's see some guys. Let's figure out, you know, I think they've eliminated Hoy Park as a guy. I don't think mm-hmm. he's a guy on the radar. They've eliminated Cole Tucker, who was on the roster at the beginning of the year. Okay, he's not part of the future. So you're seeing that, you know, we're starting to weed some things out here and get some answers. Some other guys who maybe weren't on their radar, Cal Mitchell being one of them, uh, coming up who wasn't on the 40-man. They had a, you know, had him. He's, he's turning some heads. 
Um, so you, you're, I got no problem with what they're doing. I think they're doing. I think they're doing fine as far as that, that goes. Yeah, I think we can all agree that the Charrington experience thus far has been positive. I think the plan is coming to fruition. We're starting to see it. There's a plan. There, there's a plan, and right. that's the key. And, they're, and we're seeing them develop plan. some players, which the last regime under Neil Huntington could not do, as evidenced by. And I couldn't believe that I saw this. The Kevin Kramer. I saw a tweet. From Kevin Kramer, former top prospect of the Pirates, second-round draft pick, um, came up through the system, never panned out. When you see a former player like that come out and rip an organization, I mean, I don't remember the last time I saw it. And he basically said they would tear down their prospects and never be able to, to, to build them back up again. They, you know, We heard about the Navy SEAL training, but evidently it was much worse than that. And, and Tommy, I know you wanted to talk about that this week. Yeah, I mean, our friend Dejan Kovacevic was on this when this was actually going on. And, you know, most of the the only reporter in yeah, town. Yeah, and on most it. of the pirate media, you know, either didn't acknowledge like they didn't hear what he was saying, or mm-hmm. you know, you know, because everybody wants to be friends with the current regime, mm-hmm. and now everybody's wants to act tough because Huntington and those guys aren't here anymore. But the reality of it is, you know, Kevin Kramer was one of those guys that we heard. Um, that was a prospect and you know he was in you know mm-hmm. five years ago he was the Nick Gonzalez Pagera you know all this that he was that version because we had Kevin Kramer who was a second round pick we had Cole Tucker coming up mm-hmm. through the system we had other guys um, that were working their way through the system that were going to be this next wave that never happened and then the media you know will then say oh well you know uh, you know the Pirates don't know what they're doing and stuff like that well maybe they had the right players you know, and mm-hmm. maybe they just didn't develop them. I mean, you have to remember in baseball, baseball's not like the NFL where you're getting ready-made products for the most part. Baseball, you're getting 18-year-old kids mm-hmm. that were playing high school that all of a sudden are getting picked up, rooted away from their family, and are playing minor league ball in front of 30 people in the back of a, you know, the spring training <laughs> facility. It's a different world. You've got to be have the people in place. And that's why everybody, you know, Michael and I were talking on Sunday. You know, how the hell does Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Rays do this every year? Mm-hmm. Well, this is how. Right. They have a system in place that when you come in, they grab your hand and they drag you through the whole thing to develop you and get you to the point where you're a major league player. And, you know, some of Kevin Kramer's comments when, you know, it started because Cole Tucker got cut on mm-hmm. or DFA'd. And then, you know, everybody was kind of ripping Tucker and ripping, the, you know, the Pirates and things like that. And Kramer said, hey, whoa, 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 you know. I was in this system. I went through this stuff, and you know he referenced the the SEAL team training that they, that they went through and the craziness that you think a a baseball player has to go through the same training. I, I can't imagine two different things than a baseball player in <laughs> a Navy who, for the most part for four hours stands there with his hand in the back of his pants, as opposed to a SEAL team member uh, that is out there fighting the the war on terrorism. Okay. And yeah, and and you know, DK just railed on this stuff about this organization and what they were focusing on. And you know, at the time, like I said, it just kind of fell on deaf ears. And Kevin Kramer really had some things that uh, you know brought it out and just said, "Listen, you know, it was either you got on board with what they wanted to do, or basically they blackballed you. You know, they, you know, yeah. they traded you, or they said told you to your face that we were just not going to promote you." And he's, you know, Kevin Kramer got interviewed by the Athletic, and he said, "Wow, you know, I wasn't expecting my Memorial Day to to kind of turn into this." Um, but that's, you know, that's what the system used to do, and 
you know, hopefully we'll see. We'll see what happens well, from look here. What, look what the last regime did to all the pitchers we had. Mm -hmm. It tried to turn Garrett Cole into a sinker ball sure. pitcher. I mean, we could not just Garrett Cole, and then he goes on, and you can talk about the tacky stuff on his hands. He's a four-seam fastball guy. They were trying to make a two-seam fastball guy. Mm -hmm. You let the player do what he does best. And help not, him succeed right. given that. Yes. Yeah, and they, they tried to make everybody into the same mold. I mean, we've seen other pitchers leave. Charlie Morton left. Mm -hmm. He became an all-star. I mean, it, it's it's player after player that left this organization. And then on top of them not being able to develop the guys they had, a lot of times they drafted the wrong guys. I mean, you could go down a litany of draft picks from 2012. I mean, the only two on the roster right now are Hayes and um, and uh, Newman. Newman, yeah. The rest of them are all gone. DFA, Cole Tucker, Connor Joe was a, a, a comp pick. Another great example. Here, here's a guy that they can never develop. He leaves, he and leaves, now he's a and starter he's for the star Rockies. Yes, he's yeah. a starting first baseman for the Rockies, and he's a pretty decent player. Austin Meadows, they never gave him a chance. Right. They, you know, they put him in the in the uh, Chris Archer deal. You know, and it, it, you know Shane Baz was the same thing. We had him for one year. We we flipped him for for in Chris the worst Archer. trade in Major League Baseball history. And Will Craig, another one. He, he never developed in our system, and he's now playing in Korea. Uh, you know, they drafted Swaggerty was one of the last picks right, that Huntington Swaggerty. had right. out of South Alabama. And, you know, he's he's starting to gain some traction at AAA. But to Tommy's point, like Kevin Kramer is right. And you're right. Uh, Deshaun had all this yeah. stuff, and he was talking about it back then, but nobody was listening. Now a player comes out and says, yeah, this is exactly what was going mm -hmm. on. And, and that's why this new regime had to basically tear everything down and get rid of all the players from the last regime because – they have a new philosophy on how they do right. things now, and they want their own players in the system. Yeah, and to and to just to quote just a couple of quotes that are just you just shake your head and you and it's not hard to figure out why this organization like what it was under Huntington. Quoted from the uh, Athletic article that Rob Beer Temple posted, Kevin Kramer wrote, "My first year, we went to the beach at four forty in the morning and rolled around in the sand." <laughs> The you next, can't make this up. I mean, it's crazy. crazy. You can't. The Four next 40. year, which was Will Craig's draft class, they canoed to a private island in the middle of a state park and had to stay there overnight. It was like, what are we doing? It felt <laughs> like we were focused on the wrong things. And he and he also, to further the quote, he goes, there were some bad apples in the organization. It didn't seem like they were really rooting for the players. Uh, remember, that's, that's a insane. pirate organization. Right not rooting for the pirate <laughs> prospects in their system. There were coaches that told me if I ever got to the big leagues with the Pirates, they'd be embarrassed for the organization. That was two days before my big league debut. Wow. I mean, this is – you can't even – you can't even understand how ridiculous that is. And then when you go through it, you know, some of the people that were in, you know, Newman's class and things like that have been DFA'd or struggled – you know, Will, he talked about Will Craig. Um, you know, Mitch Keller was part of that organization, which Mitch Keller or which at the time. He struggled, yeah. Which, which Mitch Keller is still struggling and things like that. I mean, it's not hard to figure out why players have thrived once they left here. And that's the biggest thing that Charrington and, and this organization has to figure out is that Charrington has to have the right people mm -hmm. in the minor leagues because this is what the Pirates have to do. They have to develop their stars. They can't trade them for them. They can't sign them. They have to draft them. They have to, and they have to develop them in their own system if they're ever going to get to where they want to go. And that's Charrington's number one battle. And if he does that, then the Charrington regime is going to work out well. If it doesn't, then it's going to be, you know, even though Huntington had those years mm -hmm. 
You know, he got Huntington got the blessing basically of McCutcheon wasn't his right. guy. No, right. So, nor was Neil Walker. Yeah, no. McCutcheon and Walker, two of the Little two fit, of the, the big foundation. Fans, yeah, were part of that thirteen through fifteen playoff run. Were not his guys. Right. Um, and you know, you hate to be that you're not his guys and things like that. But the reality of it is. They didn't yeah. sign Marte either. Right. That was Littlefield mm-hmm. That was Littlefield too. signing Marte, yeah. right. So, I mean, you're talking, you know, three of your top four hitters probably on mm-hmm. those teams um, were developed. And, you know, Huntington made some trades that made those teams better. But I'm talking this organization, if it's going to sustain anything, has got to develop their talent. Draft right. the right people and develop them. You're not going to get everybody right. 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 You know, not that's not how it works in baseball. But you got to get you got to get more right than wrong. And uh, uh, we'll see. And that's that's where we're at with Charrington. We're starting to see some of these players that he's drafted, developed, traded. We're starting to see that. And, it, you know, some of it's been good. Some of it has not. Well, one team in town that was able to develop talent, and jury's out recently, but historically they've been able to, and it has led to some cops, are the Penguins. With Jake Gensel and Brian Rust and Kuhnhock when, when he was up for the cup and Sunquist and – they were able to develop their players. And obviously with a Crosby or Malkin, you really didn't need to do that. But the other, the complementary players, the Penguins are great at it. They still are. They have some guys knocking on the door. This is a team that hasn't had a first-round pick, and I, God, I can't even remember how long. I think one in the last 19. Six years. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And they've been able to sustain. You have some guys knocking at the door. They're able to do it. So let's talk a little bit. Obviously, they're out of, you know, they're out of it right now. But, Tommy, last week you came with one of your plans for the offseason. That was including Malkin and and Latang. To recap recap what we did last week is we're trying to give a couple different scenarios for Penguin fans out there because you you hear all the scuttlebutt and you talk numbers and things like that. We're trying that. What I'm trying to do is to give a realistic look at what is available. So last week – um, the plan was, which is not what I would do, was they re-signed Malkin and Latang, um, and this is what the team could look like around that. Um, Go back and listen to last week's. Tommy's got some great information in there, what the team could still look like with those two guys in the mix. It involved some trades, some free agent signings uh, to keep them in, in the cup hunt for next year. So what we did last week is just a quick recap is we gave Malkin and Latang a combined 15 and a half million dollars a year. And that still allowed us, um, eight and a half million to sign or actually 10 million to sign a couple free agent uh, wingers. We signed three free agent wingers, a couple uh, for the second line and a tough guy for the bottom. And we also re-signed, uh, one free agent defenseman for 5 million and we got PO Joseph in the lineup. So we did all that. And you got rid of Marino and we traded Marino and Pedersen. Yeah. So to get rid of that, that salary. That's eight million off the books. So what's plan B? So that was last week. So this week is we'll take a look at what happens if Cros or if Malkin and Latang leave. And for the record And you gotta think real quick on that, Tommy. Yeah. The longer this goes, look, they Rust was done right away. In my mind, the longer this goes the more it's leaning to that, that both of these players are gone. Well, it's it's still because of um, because of COVID and the calendar year still being off. It used to be July 1 um, mm-hmm. was free agent day, which I believe this year is July 18th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so we still have roughly about six weeks to go until free agency. So there's still time um, and, and to get some stuff done. But the premise on what I think that they need to do this year is to just get younger and just th- – th- this hasn't worked. Now, we're on 
We're on year four without a playoff win. Um, it's time to it's time to move on, in my opinion. So in my plan, and this was the one that I really spent a lot of time in looking at because it gives you the most options. Um, if again, I am I am trading Pedersen and Marino again in this scenario because um, I think the defensive core needs to shake up. Um, Brian Dumoulin by far is the most talented defenseman defensively that we have. Mm-hmm. You gotta hope and pray that he's gonna have a rebound. He's only signed for one more year. You can you can roll the dice with him another year. So you know I've heard talk um, Josh Oey who I, I listen to and I have mm-hmm. a ton of respect for and. Um, I read his columns constantly to try to get some ideas of what he said. He's been pushing the idea of, of trading Matheson or Dumoulin, or, I'm sorry, Dumoulin or Pedersen. I wouldn't trade Dumoulin. I just think that he's your best chance to bounce back and be a presence back there, especially if you're getting rid of Latang. You need somebody back there to sort of stabilize mm-hmm. things. So on this week's thing, um, we this is the this is the team without Malkin and without uh, Latang. So what I did was. I went after the two biggest prospects in free agency. Um, and again, the problem with building your team through free agency is you overpay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I did was John Klingenberg, who Klingberg, who is the number one right-handed defenseman with Latang, and Vince Trocek, the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. native, um, are probably the top one or two centers for, for Trocek and the top one or two defensemen in Klingberg. So I signed them for uh, roughly. I, I gave Trocheck six million, which I was just listening to Josh before Josh Joe before we came in here, and he said he's heard five and a half million uh, is what he might be asking for for seven years. So I signed him to a six million dollar a year deal, and I signed Klingberg to an eight and a half million dollar deal. So those are big deals; they're not cheap. I re-signed Raquel again, which I also did in the last one. I signed Delorier, who is my mm-hmm. tough guy, fourth liner, penalty killer. And I also was able to sign Zach Aston Reese back because I thought we that, saw how much they missed Aston Reese. They really I mean, did. It's, it's one mean, guy that you don't. I'm not a fan of his, right. yeah. but it's clear that the penalty kill, especially PK, was, not was the same. nope, um, and, and nor was Bluger. Yeah, I think more importantly, I mean, it, I think they're committed to Bluger, and Bluger played so much better with Aston Reese on his wing than he did with anybody else. So for the forwards, the way it would draw it up again, this is uh, as we talked about last week. I'm not doing young guys because this organization seems like it's moved on from bringing up young guys. So, you know, um, I'm going with strictly what I think that they could do. So we're looking at again with Sid Line, with, with Gensel and Rust. And again, these are hypotheticals. Ignore the names necessarily that I'm saying. It's more about the money, how much money that we were able to spend. So I have Trocek. I re-signed Raquel. I had Drew O'Connor. Uh, I'm sorry. I had uh, Trocek, Raquel, and Jason Zucker. On the, first, on the second line, I had Jeff Carter, Drew O'Connor, and Brock McGinn on the third line. Fourth line would be Bluger, Zach Aston, Reese, and Delorier. Um, and I, so basically, you're, we've signed Trocek, Raquel, and Bluger, and the Delorier. So that's $13 million that we allocated the free agent, free agent forwards, right. just forwards, Four, remember. Yeah. And then we added O'Connor. So you're talking $13 million that we would have available for forwards without Malkin and <laughs> On defense, I went crazy. I kept Dumoulin, Matheson, and P.O. Joseph on the left side, which is what I think uh, is their best option. Is that Their left side defense is strong. I would leave that alone. I signed Klingberg, which was already for $8.5 million. I signed Colin Miller, who was a defensive mm-hmm. defenseman, right-handed right. defenseman mm-hmm. that played for Buffalo that got traded at the deadline. And I re-signed our old friend Erica Branson. 
from Calgary. Oh, interesting. So I signed three right-handed defensemen for a total of $16 million. Um, and then that means Ruido and Friedman are your seventh and eighth defensemen, which, which I, I believe. Yep. And then I also had enough money left to, to sign a, a legitimate backup goaltender in Braden Holpe for $2.5 million. All of these are obviously factual numbers, but these are all raises on what they made last year. So these are all, you know, we're guessing. With doing all that, I have eight defensemen, 12 forwards, and two goaltenders, and I still have $883,000 in cap space. Impressive. So, again, don't worry about the names because there's 300 free agents, right. 400 free agents, and there's trades that we're not factored into. It's just about trying to give... The people out there some understanding of the money. So if you don't resign Malkin and Latang and you trade at least two pieces off the defense, you're looking at having about $13 million in free agent money for your forwards, $16 million in free agent money for your defense, and and three and two and a half million dollars for your backup goaltender. So I mean there are some options out there for there's sure. There's a lot of I mean, options. And, out and there. I've been reading so much of salary cap hindered penguins, tight tight well, cap because, although, because it goes to Malkin and Latang. Right. And it also doesn't count subtraction. You know, yeah. these things only look at, you know, you're leaving everything there. Well, you know, Marino and Pedersen are legitimate defensive NHLers who may be making a little bit too much money, but they're young. Right. There there's a the market for them. You're not gonna trade for you're not going to get Jake Gensel back in right. return, but you can dump the salary. There's a draft pick. Yeah, there's teams out there that are always going to have are going to be chasing the floor because they don't have a lot of money. So salary cap works. Everybody always focuses on the top. Well, there's also a floor. So teams like Arizona, teams like New Jersey in the past, teams like Ottawa, they've made trades to acquire players like Pedersen and Marino that will get them to the floor right. so that they're cap compliant because you have to be cap compliant. You have to be within that number. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's hockey trades out there that can be made. You, you stockpile a couple of draft picks and you go from there. I got a quick question. So you're talking about trading the two defensemen and then Latang and Malkin. Are you getting players in return or are you trading for future assets like Draft picks. Well, the defensemen, we would just be trading for draft picks because I don't think that you could get no. much more. Than Not with their that. salaries. No, no way. Malkin and Latang are free agents. So those would just be, those guys would just right. go. Oh, they're lead. Yeah. yeah. The only thing you could do with, and I think this probably more with Latang because I think Latang is looking at this more of a mercenary role. I feel like he's done his 16 mm-hmm. years here. I don't think he has any. Not that he doesn't want to play here, not that he doesn't have fond memories, but I think he's looking at this as, as, a lot colder than Malkin. I think Malkin wants to be here. I think him and Sid want to finish their careers together. Not that Latang doesn't, but Latang is in a different stratosphere to me than yeah. what Malkin is right now. Um, I could see them potentially trading Latang's rights um, bef- if they realize that they're not going to sign mention him. That, yeah. What you can do in <clears throat> hockey is you can trade a player's rights. So that, let's just say, Montreal has been the hot rumor that Latang's going to go to. His agent is now the GM. Um, they're looking that Montreal's making the look of splat, make, make a splash in the offseason. I could see them potentially, if Latang and the Penguins come to an impasse, say on July 1st, two weeks before the deadline, and they say, Latang says, listen, I'm just not going to resign with you. Then the Penguins can trade his rights to a team. Does he have to agree to that? No. Because it's no. it's not a sign and trade. No, you're just all you're doing is now you're trading the rights to Montreal and saying, okay, Montreal, now you have the right to negotiate with him only before the deadline. So it gives Montreal or whoever would trade for him 
the opportunity to exclusively talk to him before anybody else would. So most of the time when that happens, you're trading with somebody, you're trading for the rights of somebody that you think you have a legitimate chance. Um, the Penguins have done that in the past. They've signed a player, but they also, um, and I'm going to, I think I'm, I'm almost positive his defenseman's name was Dan Hamhus. Yes, that's right. He, he, From they, Nashville. Yeah, yes. they traded for him. Yep. They traded like a third or fourth round pick for him. Yep. With the could. opportunity to talk to him, and then they didn't. They didn't sign him, so that was it. They had him right. for. They had his rights for two weeks. It's a gamble. Yeah. yeah. But if you think you've got a legitimate chance to Good make call that call, Hamus, I couldn't think of his yeah. name. You're absolutely right. Um, That's who it you was. Know, they yep. could do something like that. And then one final nugget, just to tickle everybody's yep. fancy out there, is um, the other option. If you really want to go nuclear with this thing and really blow this up. Is that and you're worried if you're if you're the uh, Fenway Sports Group and you're worried about selling tickets and the fact that you traded away or you let Latang and Malkin go and Trocheck and Klingberg if you're a hockey person you right. know who they yeah. are Trocheck's mm-hmm. a Pittsburgh guy so mm-hmm. you can sell that marketing wise the other option the other elephant in the room out there yeah. that you hear about is Mark Andre Fleury and right. everybody gets mm-hmm. sick and tired of Mark Andre Fleury and things like that well. I am of the belief that Mark Andre Fleury wants to finish his career. I agree. Here, here. yes, and he will sell tickets. Mm-hmm. The problem is you can't bring him in with Jari. So the the final option to this whole thing would be if you really wanted to blow things up, you could trade Jari because this organization they don't have a lot of depth, but they do have young goaltenders. Yes, um, they have four or five. And do you think Flurry has a couple years left in him? I do. Well, you remember, the way to look at this is not 10 years down the right. road. The Crosby signed for three more years. So I if I'm the Penguins, I'm looking at it in the in the window of what can I do in these next three years to make maximize Crosby? Because Crosby he may re-sign a deal after those three years, but he's gonna be right. on the downside. Definitely right. yeah. on the downside by then. He's going to be more in the Brian Trottier third line center, second line mm-hmm. center role. So you got three years. You could sign Flurry to a two or three year deal and think that in that window, he's going to be he's going to still be a number one goaltender. I mean, he was a top ten goaltender right. in, in hockey last year. So you could trade Jari, sign get a, a team, nice return. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> get you're not giving now to your point, Michael. Jari isn't a. You're not trading a draft pick. No. There's a lot of goalies. I mean, as we're seeing in the playoffs right, right. now. You, <laughs> you know, don't think Edmonton would love to have yeah, Jari right I mean, now? You know, Colorado, too, for yeah, that matter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Colorado's not exactly lighting the world up with their goaltending. There's a lot of teams that would – a young 27-year-old goaltender. The problem with Jari is, quite honestly, it's just two years now in a row where two years ago, he, he you know, he crapped the bed <laughs> yeah. for all of us to see. And, yes, he played great last year. Yes, he made another all-star team. But also – he was hurt and unavailable yeah, again. Right. And the one game he played, I understand it was on one leg, but he gave up four goals and he didn't win the decisive game. So this is now two years of question marks with Jari. So are you going to go into a third year yeah. with Jari still? Because when the puck drops next year, Jari's still a question mark when it comes to the playoffs. We haven't we haven't solved that. So you could go through this whole year <laughs> next year and do all this again and get to the game one, and he lets up a bad goal in the first period of game one, and everybody's going to be looking up going, what the hell are we doing here? So, um, you know, they have, you know, Philip Lindbergh, who played for who played for Wilkesbury last year, who was a young mm-hmm. goaltender that they signed, was good. And they have two or three other draft picks out there that are, are, are prospects, legitimate mm-hmm. prospects. 
Um, and that, they can learn under Flurry. Yeah, if you yeah, bring Flurry yeah. in, you know, this year he, you're going to need to sign another backup um, for for the for this year, um, which would, could be somebody like a Holpe or could be somebody mm-hmm. of a lesser degree if you have Flurry. Um, but you know, that would be another option. Is if you want, if you were worried about selling tickets, having Flurry back in oh. a Penguin uniform in October, <laughs> absolutely. Is, yeah. With Crosby, with with somebody like a Trocheck and things like that, that you can market around are going to help you sell tickets. But you can't have you can't bring Flurry back with Jari. It's not fair no. to Jari because mm-hmm. um, as soon as Flurry comes to town, you know everyone's going to be clamoring be, for him. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, and the first time Jari makes any type of mistake, he's done. And I'm not saying I would necessarily do that. I'd have to really think about that, and I'd also have to make sure what Flurry would want and what right. he's going to be willing to sign for. Um, but that's another possibility if you really wanted to shake things up, which is what I think. This team needs to do. Tommy, very comprehensive. Appreciate it. Good, good look. And like you said, it don't necessarily look at the exact player. No, the it's players the are obviously right. It's yeah. the dollars. It's the do- right because you, you, there, there's point, plenty Mark, of you always yeah. hear all. Well, they're cap strapped. They don't have any money. Right. Yes, there's always money. Right. There's always ways to move money right. around. Now, Hexel hasn't shown the ability or the or the desire so far already. to yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he seems to be talking with a little more bass in his voice. So my guess is that he's probably got a, a little bit of an assurance from Fenway Sports Group that he's the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping he's going to be – he's going to need to be more aggressive. If he's, if he's passive-aggressive this offseason again, the Penguins are in trouble. All right, we'll talk more hockey uh, when we get to fact or fiction in our rants. Uh, but for now, let's move on to the NBA. Michael, update us. What's happening? We're in at the uh, we're in the NBA, NBA finals. finals. Uh, Boston's at Golden State tonight at nine p.m. One on, series ahead. They on, stay one series yeah, ahead of the one NHL. One series ahead of the uh, NHL playoffs, and uh, Boston worried me a little bit. Uh, you know, they came home for Game Six against Miami, and uh, Jimmy Butler pulled a Michael Jordan esque performance with forty seven points, and that game goes or that they they Miami wins that game, and then the series goes back. To Miami, you're thinking, well, Miami's got a good chance of winning this. Listen, Boston's there, and I'm not going to discredit anything Boston has done, but Boston beat Milwaukee without Chris Middleton. They barely beat Miami with really no Tyler Hero. Mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry was playing, but he wasn't really playing. I mean, he had a bad hamstring. Boston did what they had they to did, do. They're they in did. the NBA Finals. Yep. Now, this is going to be – a good series. I mean, this could be an epic series. Well, it's going to be a te- you know Boston's known for their defense, and they're well, beginning the to step up in a big way to stop Golden Boston State. Boston has the best switching defense in the NBA, and Golden State has the best shooter that's ever lived, and they might have the second best shooter that ever lived in Clay Thompson. So, so I got to ask you something. <clears throat> so I'm watching. I think it was the pregame for Game Seven. I don't know if you caught it or not. Celtics and Heat. Heat. Stephen A. Smith. Jalen Rose, we're getting into it. Who's who's the better player, Curry or Durant? And I made a mental note of it at the time because I know I wanted to I wanted to ask you the the same question to get your take on it. Um, Jalen Rose, who I would put a little more credence into what he says because he played the game, says it's Curry, and the resume speaks for itself. Where Durant is Durant, one of the all time great scorers. He just thought that Curry, given the resume and winning a championship without Durant and the opportunity to win another one here this year without him, he was the better player. Your thoughts on yeah, that real quick, and then we'll get back to Yeah, Curry, you know, the, the thing with Curry and Durant, now Durant, the problem was is he, he went ring chasing. So, And I think that tarnishes 
it His does. Legacy it does to an extent, and we talk about it with LeBron. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jordan played with the guys Jerry right. Krause brought in, and mm-hmm. they, you know, other than Pippen, who they drafted, right. they didn't mm-hmm. trade for him. They drafted him. They put some pieces around Jordan, but it was his team. Um, Curry's the best shooter I've ever seen. Hands down. I don't think But Durant is the best scorer I've ever seen, or one of the top three scorers I've ever seen. He can do it from anywhere on the floor. Yeah, Stephen A. was saying he's top 10 all time. I don't think Durant's top 10 all time. I mean, we look, we, we have these discussions, and it's so hard to say. We, but, talk, we talk about rings, like Tommy right. talked about with McDavid until right. he gets a – but it's a team sport, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Durant was on a dysfunctional team this year in, right. in Brooklyn. Um, his availability, we all, he was talking about – uh, Jari not mm-hmm. being available, your your best assets, your availability, okay. right? If you're not out on the floor or out on the ice, you you, you can't help me. Right. Durant's had some injury his, issues, obviously. That's a tough question. I would have to say Curry, but I mean it's close. It, yeah. it really it, it is really close, and, and you're splitting hairs, but talking which one's better than the other, right? But Curry, hands down, I mean he's the greatest shooter that's ever lived. I, I've never seen anybody right. like him. Getting back to this series. Yeah. If Curry's the best shooter ever, and you got Clay Thompson, could possibly be one of the top ten greatest shooters, mm-hmm. maybe behind Ray Allen. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some Reggie guys. Miller, yeah. Reggie Miller, yeah. but I mean, Clay Thompson. He's well, yeah. Boston has to make sure their switches are correct. I mean, they got the three headed guards. Mm-hmm. Marcus Smart's matchup with Durant or not Durant with Curry tonight is going to show a lot where this series is going to go. The, they have to switch. And, and Boston's good at switching. Mm-hmm. They can't go over screens. They can't. You definitely right. can't go under screens against right. Golden yeah. State. They will. They will the murder pop, you right. three, yeah. three point line. Boston to win this series, they have to limit their turnovers. They were way too loosey goosey with Miami in that series. Uh, they had over 15 turnovers, I think, in four games. They can't do that against Golden State because that sends Golden State out into transition. And Golden State doesn't get into transition to take the ball to the basket. They spread the floor in transition, and they pop open threes. And for them, open threes are like layups to most right. most yeah. guys. Um, this is going to be a really interesting series. Um, you know, Smart's dealing with the quad, mm-hmm. the ankle and the foot all on his right leg. And if he's not 100% trying to guard Curry, <laughs> I mean, even at 80%, that's that might not work out. I'm really curious to see this series because there's just two contrasting styles. Boston needs to get downhill like they did against Miami get guys in foul trouble, get to the foul line. They get, Tatum can get to the basket. Jalen Brown has to be the Kobe Bryant Jalen Brown, not, right. not, not his yeah. dad. Right. You know, Jalen Brown shows up for one game, you're like, oh, my God, this guy's a top ten player, and then the next game he's, he's yeah. nowhere to be found. He has to be consistent through this whole series for Boston to win this series. But it starts tonight. and um, So who do you like? What, what are I we, like what are Golden we State in seven. Okay. I think this series is going seven. So – Stay tuned next week. We'll we'll have another update on the NBA Finals and see where this where the series uh, lays. Perfect. All right. Now it's time for the ever popular fact or fiction segment. For those of you that are new to the podcast, and we're picking up new listeners every week, we just throw out a statement and then we declare fact or fiction, and we'll go around the horn and see what everybody thinks. So let's start out. Fact or fiction, Tommy. We'll start with you. Pirates will get swept by the – we just talked about all the positives with the Pirates coming off the sweep of the Dodgers in L.A. Pirates will come home and get swept by the Diamondbacks. <laughs> we really do talk out both sides of our face. <laughs> Sometimes we do. But some, with the Pirates, I think you have to. Still. Yeah. I, 
I, I was. I'm not. No, I'm not going to say they're they're not going to get swept. But I wouldn't be surprised if they if they come home and lose two out of three. I mean, you know, you watched you watched these guys in, in L.A. and you could tell. I mean, they were they were on a high, you know, yeah. and and that's tough to maintain that. They were feeding off guys. each other, Absolutely. and the excitement yeah. was there. You yeah. know, and they you know they're playing in front of forty thousand people right. in L.A. They'll be playing in front of forty people here. Tomorrow. And David versus Goliath, yeah, the whole they'll be, thing. They'll you be know. playing in front of forty people tomorrow <laughs> right. night. Yeah, right. Although it's some kind of drone show. That oh I'm yeah, I never heard about that. The yeah, that is. this so, drone sky show that might get that might get a few more people there. Sixty but, people. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people when they they pay to go see fireworks and they go to pay to see the stuff. You know, if you just sit across the river, you can see the same fireworks. You don't, you don't, you don't really have to go in. So, but these guys, you know, I, again, I'm I'm really truly because I'll be honest, I was thinking to myself when the Ronzi Contreras is pitching on Saturday, yeah. I thought about wanting to go down, but I still refuse to give Nutting any of my money. So. Uh, that's the hard part with this team, but uh, I don't think they'll get swept. But I wouldn't be surprised if they lost two. So hours. fiction, fiction. Tom. Yep, Michael. You so. know, with the with the Pirates, I'm always glass <laughs> half full, but I, I am reluctant. Like I, I'm, you know, the good it's thing not is out of the realm of possibility. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I'll, I'm going to say fiction. I, I yeah. think they at least. I think they're going to win tomorrow night because we're facing a right-handed pitcher for the first. <laughs> I mean, I, I you know Mitch White pitched last night for the Dodgers, but like we were talking before. Every pitcher they seem to face is left-handed, and our whole lineup's left-handed. So I think they're at least going to win the Mars. So I think it's I, I think it's it's fiction. Fiction. Bob Kipper got to pitch in the major league. Round Tripper Kipper for, mentioned, yeah, holy for shit, fifteen years right. because he was left-handed. Because that, that used to be a premium. Now it seems like every team's got eight of them. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, crazy. it's crazy. Except for us, we don't yeah, have. No, any. No, 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 no. I agree. I think it's fiction. Uh, this team's riding high a little bit. I, I, you know, I, obviously, I don't think they're going to sweep the Diamondbacks and get some some sort of winning streak here, but. Um, you'd love to see them take the series and continue to stay on somewhat of a roll. Uh, I would d- d- listen. Just keep it going. Keep the enthusiasm up. Keep playing solid baseball. I think that's the most important thing here. Wins and losses almost take a back seat. Keep playing solid, fundamental baseball, and that's all I want to see at this point. But if I was a veteran in that clubhouse, I'd be telling them win the series. Yeah, what, what, right. You know, that's what that's what young players. That's what you get lost in. You got to win the series. Forget about stay you know, in the moment. Yeah, right. stay yeah. in the moment. The game tomorrow night's the most important. Yeah. Right. Game. Exactly. Get your, get your, get your, win your series. Keep stacking winning series, and you'll, you know, you'll yeah. get there. All right, we talked hockey a little earlier, and, and certainly the, the conference finals. I don't think anybody expected the goal scoring barrage that we've seen so far. So, fact or fiction? Edmonton and Colorado. I didn't. Even, I forgot what the hell was the score of that first game. I eight watched six. It. Eight six. That was eighties hockey right there, my man. Wow. Um, so, fact or fiction, Edmonton and Colorado will top that and they'll score more than 14 goals tonight. Fact or fiction? <laughs> I, I say fiction, but my God, that goaltender for Oh, Mike for Smith Edmonton. is God awful. I, and I, you guys You're know, talking about jo- and, issues we've had here. Nothing compared to. Now you, you guys Mike know Smith. I don't watch a lot of hockey, but I did tune in because mm-hmm. I, obviously I wanted McDavid. to see McDavid yeah. play. Michael loves McDavid. I, for some reason, this is, that's my guy. So, But, oh, my God, is that goaltender for Edmonton bad. He's gone. All and, 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 listen, the guy for Colorado isn't much better. I mean, he gave up right. six. I mean, Smith didn't give them all up. I think they pulled him after the first <laughs> freaking period. Yeah, he gave up six. Six, yeah. He yeah. gave up six, he and then they six. pulled him. And okay. Pulled and, and three that he gave up in the first period were just, I mean, you could put a high school goalie in. So and, that's 14 goals, right? Yeah. And you're saying over. Over. I'm taking the over. Fact or fiction? Over. If, if I say fiction because if it's over, Edmonton's in real trouble. <laughs> yeah. I hate to say this, but I, I'm going to say fact because I mean Colorado, the one goal. Now let me ask you: 
if Mike Smith starts in goaltender, or if any, who, regardless of who it is. Anybody. Okay. Well, the backup can't be very good if well, the starting backup to Mike what Smith. A, yeah. What a, How would you like to be that guy? What a bull, yeah, but what a bullshit role hockey has. <laughs> I mean, so he came in. The way hockey works is is that whatever the losing team scores. Yes. The goal that put them over that number, wherever it is in the game, is the one of the goalie of record. So that guy came in. <laughs> Mike Smith gave up loss. six. Koskinen gave up one, and Koskinen took, took the loss one. because Edmonton came back. He must have gave up two. They scored eight. It was empty net. Uh, empty net. That doesn't I mean, count. That doesn't count against the goal. I, mean, I already I wasn't um, watching. You're learning. But, You're but Colorado, I mean, I hate to say it, is Darcy Kemper, who's not very good, right. but he looks like you know George Vezina compared to what Edmonton's trotting out there. And wouldn't Jari look good in the right. Edmonton oh, yeah. uniform next year with a couple mm. of their young forwards coming our way? But I digress. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to say over because Colorado lost their goaltender. Darcy Camper was hurt. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's the one NHL goalie to me in this in this series, and now he's out. And they've got uh, pa- I think his name is Pavel Francois or Francois something. <laughs> of course like it is. Yeah, Why wouldn't yeah. it be? Uh, and that guy, you know, he came in and gave up four or five. Yeah. So absolutely, this game could be ten nine. Now let Ten-nine. me. Yeah. I personally, I'm the diehard hockey fan of this group by far. I live and die with hockey. I, I don't want to sound like the old guy yelling at the kids to get off my lawn, but I didn't like the game. I didn't like 8-6 because I'm okay with legitimate great goals being scored, but when they're just firing everything yeah. and the puck's going in and you've got terrible goaltending and no D, I, I just – if they're if you've got great goaltending, they're making great saves, and they're still scoring. You know that okay, I can live with that. But I mean, that looked like one of those goalies you buy at Dick's and you put on the you put on the front of your net and you just hit the little holes. I mean, that's what it looked like the day we're playing with. He didn't move through. But I'm not the person that they're going after. They already got me. So let me ask you, Michael. You're a you're a hockey you know novice at best. You're not. You, this isn't your sport. When they're doing all that, does that catch your attention more, or is it? Do you think it looks now, silly too? I, I got to be honest. I mean, that particular game was <laughs> I, it was it was nonsensical. I, I'm yeah. like, I can't believe that just went in. Well, it's like you're playing foosball. Yeah. And you can't get your yeah. hands back. The, the time foosball goal, you can't get the middle. Right. You yeah. got to yeah. sway, <laughs> sway back and forth near the net. Yeah, I, I know. I, I'm with Tom. I I, I want to see goal scoring, <clears throat> but legit goal scoring. Yeah, like you want to see somebody make a move, and that's why I'm this. saying fiction. I think both teams tighten it up a bit. They get in shooting lanes Jesus, tonight. Tighten it up. They're going to block some more shots. I'm sure both teams, even call, have, were berated by their head coach. I, I think they they will tighten it up tonight. We'll see maybe a six four game. I still think you're going to see some goals, but nowhere goals. near Jesus. what we saw the other night. That's no way. We'll see. We'll see. All right, Michael, you touched on this already. Fact or fiction, the NBA Finals will go seven games. Well, it has to be fact because I just you said just it. You just said it, it right. Gonna You're going to get talking out both sides of my mouth. No, it's pretty I, funny if you no, came back th- and said This is going to be a fiction. Good, good series, and I, I, I think it's going to go seven. This this could be one of those NBA classics that you, you go back and watch, um, you know, like the Bulls in Utah that one year. Uh, th- this is going to be a good series, and there's a lot of star players in this game or in this series, right. like Curry and Thompson, and even Draymond Green to an extent. And then you got Tatum, and you got Jalen Brown. Um, th- th- this is going to be a good series, seven games for sure. That's fact. I'll say fiction. I think Golden State's going to win this. I think they win it in six, probably, because um, uh, you, you know there's Boston's has played well. And I don't want to shortchange them, but. Golden State's done this dance. Right. I mean, this is what their sixth time in the finals yeah, now, basically yeah. with this core. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think Golden State wins it in six. So I'm gonna I, say fiction. That's what I was gonna say, Tommy. Not to steal your thunder, but to your Michael, you mentioned I think Boston's beat up. They played a very physical series against the Heat. Golden State has pretty much breezed through these playoffs. Certainly, they've they've encountered some resistance, but I think it's Golden State in six. Okay. All right. Now, we see clickbait all the time on the internet. People want you to read. They want to get their numbers up. And we've seen, Tommy, you brought it up, that there's some speculation. I don't even know if that that's even the right word in this case, but I don't know if it was just some blogger in his basement that came up with this, but the Steelers going after Aaron Donald. We heard the news about Stephen Tewitt retiring, <clears throat> came out June 1st. So, obviously, they have a hole on their defensive line. You've been talking about it the whole offseason. Um so, fact or fiction, Steelers will trade for Aaron Donald. I'm going to say fiction, yeah. shockingly. Um, yeah. But I do think that this is not something that they're going to let fester in-house. I do think they're going to go out and do something, um, either through a trade or through a free agent signing. And free agent signings are a little thin. I mean, You still have Eddie Goldman out there, Sue. There's still some players out there yeah, and that Doc, I think can give yeah, them something. Yeah, and – and whatever his first name is, Sue. And Dominican Sue. That's it. And Dominican yep. apologize to his mother. I love him. Um, I, I don't know. I, he doesn't seem to me. Eddie like Goldman he's a, he's from a the Bears. He's a quote-unquote stealer. The guy that I've seen and, and read the most about so far has been Larry Ogunjobi. Yeah, he signed He he signed with Chicago for a big contract. He uh, The deal fell through because he didn't be fail physical because he was coming off surgery and hadn't been healed yet. Um He's a guy that's played in the AFC North. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to going after him. They need I, I think what they need to focus on is a run stopper. Right. And uh, they need to get somebody that they can shore up that uh, defensive line from a run stopping perspective, not so much for pass. They've got enough pass rushers. They've got enough people that can get the sacks. Um, so I'm going to say fiction that they trade for Aaron Donald, but I will say it's a fact that they're going to go out and get somebody and somebody that's a name. Yeah, I mean that that was probably just some yeah, blogger just right. yeah, sending it out there. But yeah. I mean, it, it, obviously, they need a defensive lineman, an interior lineman. It's not going to be Aaron Donald. The assets that they would have to give up would be astronomical. Uh, Les Snead, like I said, we I talked early podcast one or two. Les Snead could care less about draft picks, so he wants he wants proven assets. And what the Steelers would have to give up, I don't think would be worth it. T.J. So Watt. Probably. Well, yeah, so, right, yeah, or Mika right. Fitzpatrick or, you know, yeah. one of their wide receivers. Or, and that makes no it, sense. It, it, it makes no sense. Um, it, it's not going to happen. But to Tommy's point, they're probably going to sign somebody or, or trade for somebody that gives them a little more line depth now that two, it's retired. So but, it's, that's But fixed. what I will say, and you need to tune into this podcast, everybody, and share the podcast with your respective networks, because I believe we had that news last week. The two it was going to retire. Yeah, I was the only one that fought you on that. And I was yeah. listening to Cam. You had it. You said yeah. you had you'd heard. So you listen in. We, between uh, the three of us, we have some contacts in some pretty crazy places. So uh, you never know when you're going to get those tidbits of information here before you do anywhere else. So FYI and and, and share, like I said. All right. So now on to the closing the podcast out as we normally do with our rants. Who wants to go first? I'll start it. All right. Uh, my rant this week, I know we we bust Major League Baseball's chops yeah. quite a bit because they don't market their game very well. Not, they're not obviously as bad as the NHL, but they're starting to trend towards the NFL. They're trying. They're, quote-unquote, I guess it's their, um, like, 
pre-draft pre-draft yeah. workouts that's coming up now they're moving the draft to july around the all-star break where they're going to have the player more players and you, you see when the mlb drafts they only have three or four right. guys and most of them are still playing college ball some of them they're going to they're trying to turn it into a, a, the all-star weekend into something bigger and people get to see these guys as they get drafted and put a, a face to the name that they're they're drafting i remember when i first started watching the draft you just seen a name i i couldn't tell you what the guy looked like right. So baseball, as much as I like to bash Major League Baseball, they're starting to trend in the right way. And I, I'm looking forward to watching those pre-draft workouts and, and then them having the draft right. around the All-Star weekend mm -hmm. and having the players there to celebrate them. And they're starting to trend towards where the NFL is going. And they, I think they've learned. Yeah, why not take advantage of the best All-Star game that's out there? Absolutely. So. My, I don't really much have a rant this week. Um, I like talking soccer about as much as I like to talk about a colonoscopy. Um, but my godson, uh, Sean, who's an avid listener of ours, uh, brought up to my attention. So I wanted to talk about it. Something that I, I, I couldn't believe to the point where I had to go look it up. And that is that Ukraine, we all know the story of Ukraine right now. They, you know, We have a war going on with Russia. Well, they have a men's national soccer team that's competing to try to get into the World Cup. And if things go right, they could get into the World Cup and their first game could be against the United States, which would be mm -hmm. something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's an article on ESPN.com uh, about, you know, people in, in Ukraine mm -hmm. that are um, in the middle of a war zone, but they're rallying around this team. And, and uh, you know, they're talking about uh, there was a, a full reporter that went in was sitting in downtown Kiev, you know, they're getting ready to watch the game. You know, you think about all you people that have watched Super Bowl games or Stanley Cup playoff games and you're sitting there, you know, eating your nachos or you're, you know, having a beer and you're getting ready to watch the big game and life goes on, you know, as, as normal for you. Well, these guys are getting ready to watch a World Cup game or, or a World Cup qualifier game and uh, missile sirens go off and these guys get up, walk out to their balcony, look out, and they go, eh, we don't think anything's going to happen. They just go back and sit down and start watching, you know, rooting for their, their home country, playing soccer uh, in the middle of this war zone. And there was a rush. There was a Ukraine soldier who was home on leave that was there watching the games, and he's FaceTiming his friends who were at the front battling Russians and wanting to know what the score of the game is and stuff like that. And it, it's just, you know, it's just a reminder that in this world that – you know, we've all been there. I woke up this morning thinking what a crappy day I was going to have because I had to unload, you know, 1,700 cases of beer today with a bad back and and all that stuff. And you think that, you know, your life is the most difficult life in the world. And, you know, those few times where you get to sit down and enjoy a game, these people can't even just sit down and do that. And they're listening to air raid signs going off and missile sounds going off and things like that. So it's a pretty cool article to read just to get a perspective on – you know, you know, when you think that life's kicking you in the ass, right. there's always no somebody idea. that's got it worse. So, you know, thank you to Sean for that, uh, for opening my eyes to that and giving me a little perspective on the world. Yeah, thank you, Sean. Thank you to all of our listeners. We really appreciate it. It keeps us going week to week. And we're still looking for comments. I know, Michael, you get some comments from people when you see them. And, Tommy, you've gotten some. Um, keep them coming. You know, comment on our Facebook. When we post it on Facebook, Provide comments. Really listen, and we can take constructive feedback. We're big boys. We're old. I cannot, We've been through I'm, it. I cannot. I'm a big baby. I don't like it when people <laughs> say bad things about me. So you should be but, used to it by now. Yeah, yeah, I am. That's why. Especially when it comes to basketball. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, talk, along the same lines with you br- just brought up and what you mentioned for your rant, I have this similar sort of thing in the power of sports. And I think the, a big reason why the three of us have always loved sports. Um, there was a great article. It's still on ESPN, written by a great baseball writer, Tim Kirchin. He's a legend. His brother was diagnosed uh, last summer with ALS. And they were all baseball players. Baseball tied the family together. He and his brother that were just diagnosed played baseball together growing up. Um, and just how baseball has meant so much to that family. You know, all three of us played baseball our whole lives. And we played catch with our dads. And we played catch with friends. And there's just something about baseball. And that simple act of playing catch. Of course, it was captured in Field of Dreams uh, so well. Um, but, I, you know, I had to clean off my keyboard after reading that article. It got a little wet. I'm not sure how it got wet, but I had to clean up the keyboard a little bit. Um, but just really drove home the power of sports and for us, you know, the three of us specifically, baseball. And how it does. I mean, there's a lot of crap that's going on in our life. But when we turn to baseball, it all goes away. And we can sit down and watch a pirate game now. And we can text each other. And we can talk about it. And that all goes away. And everything's right in the world uh, for a period of time. And Kirchin just you know, captured it as only he can, as few writers can. Um, and so I just wanted to, to call that out. And if you haven't read it yet, if you're a baseball fan, you need to read this article um, on, on baseball. And what Catholic University, that's where his brother Mark went to school and what they're doing for him and how they're all rallying around him and um, how his brother didn't have use of his thumb or his index finger. So he had to teach himself how to throw. Basically, he's throwing out the first pitch at Catholic University's first game this year. He had to teach himself how to throw baseball with his three other fingers. And how Tim worked with him to get that done. And then he goes out there for that first pitch and is able to throw a strike. Wow. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's magical. And that's the power of sports. Tommy, you brought, you know, Ukraine. They're getting away from the war and able to watch their soccer team. For Tim and his brother that are going through, you know, what's ultimately going to be a tragic end, um, baseball's providing them joy as they go down the home stretch. So just a really powerful article. Highly recommend it for everybody. Anything else from anybody before we sign off for this? We hate to end on a downer, but it's not. It's no, it's, it's really – it proves the point why we're doing what we do yeah. every week uh, because we just love it. And, and, and we love all sports, and it just – it, it helps us overcome that crap of, that's going yeah, on. Yeah, it's in your life. way of escaping for a couple hours. And right. that, that's always been the beauty of sports for me. That's why I'm so passionate about right. it. And that's the people who, you know, you hear people scream out there, well, sports doesn't matter and this does, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, is it life saving? No, but it's, it's mind saving sometimes. And, you know, we all have jobs. We all mm-hmm. have our, you know, Mark and I have our own businesses. And, you know, we live this stuff day in and day out, and it's it's nice to have an escape for a couple hours where you can just forget. Yep. You know, hey, I got a delivery tomorrow. Hey, I got seventy five <laughs> school kids coming in to paint that are all under five tomorrow, and it's just a chance to just catch your breath and just get lost in something that ain't you know it's not your That's world it. for a little bit. So it does matter. Couldn't put it any better. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. As always, we we really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Talking more sports and get you know, hopefully providing you with that outlet we've just been talking about. Signing off for this week, Michael, Tommy, and Mark. Talk to you soon, everybody. Take care. <laughs>